They're from Biloxi, Mississippi, and they have extremely strong feelings about IHOP locations. It's the Jones family. It wasn't even the family feud music that was fucking that I was doing. That was John Cena's theme. Or, oh, did you actually? No, it's still <laughs> the same. It's like, oh, yeah, I mean, what you were doing, yeah, but it sounded eerily similar. Yeah, they, I mean, there's, there's similar chord progression. Because, yeah, Family Feud is something like that, right? It's like, yeah, that's what it is. No, it's a, it's a, it's a little bit different, yeah. Because it's yeah, but you got it. Yeah, not to be confused with the $25,000 pyramid theme song, which How does that go? Is That one's good. Yeah. I like the $25,000 pyramid. It's a good show. I mean, it's old. Yeah. I don't think they remade that one ever. I like seeing people freak out about like really obvious words as the time <laughs> as the timer goes down and down and down. They're like uh, you put it on a car, and and it's it's made of metal, and and it's and they're just like, uh. and it was extremely obvious, and you fucked it up. Thanks, good job. It was a windshield wiper. <laughs> I think I'd be bad at that. I don't know if I'd be very good at that. It's a you have to train yourself. It's just like Jeopardy. And welcome to The Young Ones, a podcast about teen superhero teams and why we love them. My name is Charlie, and I use they, them pronouns. And I'm Mikey, and I use he, him pronouns. And this is episode 18. As I said last time, I ran out of interesting things to say about the numbers. Well, uh, this is not something interesting to say about the numbers, but we are doing a bit of a departure from our regularly scheduled Runaways content. I told everybody we left with a cl- we left off with a cliffhanger because uh, comics. Everybody should be okay with that. Our- <laughs> by now, no, we're we're doing what Cartoon Network did to Steven Universe, which is telling you that there's more episodes and then putting filler content in or just not airing the normal episodes, <laughs> so you have to wait longer and longer, and the anticipation grows. Yeah, and then you lose completely lose track of like what episode you were on, and then or, all of a sudden there's five episodes that you haven't watched for some reason. Or you for or you do like me and forget Steven Universe is a thing and uh, <laughs> never catch up, which is definitely not what happened to me. That's definitely not something that happened at all. No. See, like that's the problem is when things drop off like that. Like it's not. I guess for kids, like if the target audience is kids, like they're just going to watch whatever's on the TV, whatever. They're going to watch Teen Titans go five hours a day on Cartoon Network. Yeah. And I say that not to demean kids, but like I'm not doing that. Kids won't know any different. I'm saying I literally did that. I watched so much like Star Trek Voyager and DS9 when I was a kid because it was just <laughs> on. But if you asked me today to tell you the plot lines of any of those series or any of the episodes, I would not be able to tell you. All I know is that 
I thought the design of Worf was really cool. And I realized that if I furrowed my eyebrows, I could make like the Worf lines on my forehead. And so I would do that in the mirror at myself. Thank you for that um, little bit of a personal intimate knowledge. You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah, but no, we're not um, talking about the runaways today. We're not. We are actually. Why not? Why not? Because you've been traveling across the country. That's why. I mean, that's a really big lie. You're not. (laughs) It's not across the country at all. No. I went to Ohio. Yeah, you did. But you didn't come visit me. So I'm bitter about it. No, I'm not, actually. I'm sorry. It was a family trip. It was a family, family outing. And by family, I mean, it wasn't even the whole family. It was a dad and me trip. Because we hadn't gotten a chance to spend time with each other for a while. There you go. It was a bonding situation. Yeah. And also football. And also football. Which is also bonding if you think about it, but also football. Football. Yes. I was ready for some football, in fact. <laughs> Dropping it today. Nice. Yeah. Good. I feel like since I can see you, they were just hosting some sort of weird radio show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we streamed it, this is what it would be like. I mean, that would be like a, that's what a podcast are anyway. Just like weird pre-recorded radio shows. Yeah. Hence pod as an iPod and cast as in something that you're casting and radio shows or broadcasts. All right. Thanks. All right. I don't need a, I don't need a history lesson. <sighs> anyway. Anyway, anyway, yeah, we're not talking about the runaways today. Um, we're going to let you wonder how everyone feels about what happened last time for a little bit, because today we're going to talk about New Mutants Dead Souls. And maybe some other things. And I'm holding up the comics as if everybody can see them, but no, you can't. So just pretend like you can. Yeah, just imagine the, the comics in front of you right now. Yeah. So if you don't already know. Imagine the comics is... in front of you. I'm opening the page right now. <laughs> Look at that beautiful, shiny... Thanks for the ASMR. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Comics ASMR. Is there, a, um, is there a market for that? Pages flipping is a good sound. Like, that's gotta be a thing, right? I assume so. Just like someone digging their hands into, like, some marbles or something. Is that also an ASMR? Or is that uh, just something I made up? No, that's definitely probably a thing. There's also, like... I don't know. I've watched some ASMR videos just to see like what was up with them and i was just like so thoroughly disturbed by the entire thing i just were you not moved were you not moved by any of them no there was like no i mean the earliest startings of asmr have to be like those like rain or thunderstorm cds you can like buy in target right that had the or like meditation stuff yeah yeah like the things you can buy at the store where you go up to like the you used to go up to the kiosk and then you could press the little buttons yes yes on all of them and you're like i'm gonna do this for five hours and then your parents are like can can you please Ah, move now ah, yeah ah, like that okay Mikey, minutes. no one's listening to what you just did for 10 hours. I don't know what that was, but it wasn't There's a bird. Some that, are bi- <laughs> that was some sort of unidentified bird. I like a bird. I only fly. <laughs> All right, Nelly Furtado, we're going to move on. Yes, let's. Anyway, if you didn't know, this will be all spoilery and stuff. So if you haven't read the books and you don't want to be spoiled for them, maybe don't listen to the. I don't want to say don't listen to the rest of the podcast, but, like, maybe don't listen to the rest of the podcast. 
go go read the books and then listen to the podcast. Yeah, put it, pause us, mm-hmm. go read the books, and then come back and then listen to our discussion about the books. Yes. Yes. I kind of want to talk about Cable Number One as well. So also, if you haven't read that and want to read it. Yeah, no, that's that's good. That's also good. Then there will be spoilers for that, too. Yeah. So. so I would say we're branching out, but like not really, because these books are at least certainly New Mutants and kind of Cable 2 are about teens or people that should be teens or people that were teens at one point. I don't even know. Maybe not strong guy. Yeah. But no, the New Mutants are like, you you describe them as like millennials, which is like teen adjacent. Yeah. And and they were teens at one point. And then Cable has some teens in it. We'll talk about that when we get to Cable. Yeah. But there are there are teens in Cable. Yeah. But uh, we're going to talk about uh, New Mutants, Dead Souls 1 and 2 today. Um, We're not going to go through them panel by panel, but I'm going to give you some highlights. And uh, if you didn't already know. Both of these comics were written by Matthew Rosenberg. Um, the inks and the pencils are by Adam Gorham. And the colors are by Michael Garland for both of these issues and continuing all the way through the rest of the series. So it's going to be six issues in total. And uh, I've talked about it before, but I love this book. I love it. I love it. It's very good. And it's kind of everything I wanted for these characters after who have been, aside from Ileana have been absent for a large part of modern modern like the last four or five years in comics so yeah mike you just read this what did you think i thought it was really good um my first hot take is either advertently or inadvertently this is like one of the gayest books out there (laughs) Uh, i can't imagine it's inadvertent because we've got uh richter We've got Ileana, who, depending on who you ask, is has has some queerness going on there. Um, and then we've got uh, Karma, who is very much uh, a queer lady. And then we've also got Shatterstar in the background of one of the panels. So yeah, you also you also forgot about Prodigy and Prodigy, I, yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't think about I didn't I didn't forget about him when I was reading, but I did in the like roll through in the second it took you to forget about prodigy because i also forget about him too but yeah Um, no it's just like it's good it is i mean this team is like the pieces all fit together but like i was when someone would say if someone says new mutants to me don't i I think about maybe iliana and rain i don't think about the rest of them because rick and and rick and tabitha were only new mutants for a little bit mm. and obviously strong guy was never a new mutant but i like the team a lot because i love them all so yes yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. And the covers on these are, are by ryan stegman um who worked a little bit on uncanny avengers when i was reading it when it relaunched after secret wars i like his art it is hit or miss sometimes yeah like, I like it. I like a lot of, like, I like a lot of the way he draws women, but sometimes people can get a little wonky, if it makes sense. Like, Yeah, no, that just, makes sense. Just their, just some of their times, their faces and the proportions on their bodies. He draws Spider-Man really well because his stuff's really dynamic. Like, it, like his lines are super dynamic, 
Right. And so when he's doing like an action shot, it's really good. But like when everybody's just kind of hanging around. Yeah. Like I like rain on this cover for number one. Yeah. When everybody's just kind of hanging around, it's not so much that way. Yeah. Rick's kind of just hanging around and he's got like a weird how to draw manga vibe to him on this cover. I'm not going to lie. Oh, my God. You're right. You are right. I own those books. I, I know them very well. Tabitha looks good, but yeah, I'm not super digging Rick's face on the first cover. But other than that, like, it's a pretty good cover. No, I like Ileana and I like Ra- I like Rain, too. Yeah. So the next thing is, like, we kind of, when you were pitching those from what you knew about them, like, way, 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 way long ago in the podcast, you were describing it as, like, Scooby-Doo. But I think it's more of like a supernatural vibe for sure. Yeah, like it is. Like I thought this first, honestly, you could take these individual issues and you could, if you were going to make an issue, you were make an episode of Supernatural about either one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really good in that way, but it also, because it's like a love letter to the New Mutants and kind of that era of young people teams because they were like they were teens but sometimes they were like nebulously teens yeah and a love letter to that and also to specific like horror movies in a really good fashion yeah like or those specific tropes like issue number two when i saw the solicit for it i was like it's like the thing yeah it's it's literally just the thing uh, yeah but it had this twist on it that i didn't expect yeah when i when i first Looked at that solicit. It had several twists. Yes, it did. Which is difficult to do in a single issue of a comic, really. You know what else is really difficult to do? Uh, what? Remove the characters from their previous continuity without erasing all of it, but also like just giving us pieces, the pieces that we need to understand going forward. I feel like that's less difficult to do than you would think, but I feel like a lot of it's something a lot of authors struggle with just because you never know how far to pull those threads away, you know? Yeah. Like, it's it's something where it's like, this being decoupled from everything that's going on with X-Men in any kind of continuity helps that. Like, continuity as in current continuity helps that. Like, some characters are, and teams are better for that sort of thing than others. Like, I think... I do think that there could have been a Young Avengers volume two that worked better, that was as separate as it was. But the problem is, like, if you're going to touch on themes that have been touched on before that, you know, were like central to those characters, you have to pick and choose. And that that can be the difficult part is like, how much do you separate? And I think it the the balance here was really, really well done. I think the characters in this book are better for leaving. I'll just say it. I think the characters in this book are better for leaving all their X Factor investigation strappings behind them. Yeah. We haven't heard anything about any of that, and I am okay with it. I thought I was going to really care, like, what happened to Rick and Star all that time, you know, where we left them in XFI. And then I found out that I really don't care. Like, all I care about is, like, the implications about what they're doing now like how like how like maybe some of the stuff they were doing like recently like i'm removing it obviously because it's very very obvious to me now that cena grace wanted to use rick and iceman for one thing and Mm -hmm. he was probably told 
okay, you can use Rick for this thing, but you have to tie it back together when that book ends because this is coming from a different place. Right. Well, and the other thing is like when you have these books like that, you've jumped so far forward in time since those characters were last in an ongoing or mini or any, you know, anything where they were more than just a bit character. You honestly, books that try to tell that in between time get bogged down for it. Yeah. Superhero comics is a very short form medium. You can tell long form stories, but especially in a climate where I don't know what the average number of ongoing issues is currently in Marvel over the last couple of years, but it's not many. So either you have to get your plot going within the first couple issues if you're an ongoing, and then if you're a mini, you only have a certain number of issues anyway. So to try to tell everything that happened in that interceding time, as well as a well put together and fully realized story going forward, like that's... I feel like a lot of books try to do that, and it's not something that's ever going to work or very rarely going to work. Like, you have to do it with Batman and Iron Man and stuff like that. But honestly, like, some of my favorite books about those characters are ones that don't tie back. Like, I am not a fan of the Husk saga in Batman, so anytime that comes up, I just want to peace out. And that's the other thing is, like, if you... write something that's super contingent on everything that happened beforehand, either you're asking those readers to have some periphery knowledge of what that was, you're needing to bundle that in because they won't have any periphery knowledge of what's going on, or you're running the risk that they did read it and they hate it. Yep. So that's going to be lost readership right there in a medium where the margins are already very thin. So, you know, like. It's it's something it's, where it's, it's a tightrope. It's a tightrope. Yeah. And I wish we got more things that are as much of a breath of fresh air as this was, honestly. Yeah. No. Uh, agreed. I uh, how do you feel? How do you? OK. How do you feel about everybody's costume? Like, how do you think? How do you feel about everybody's new costumes? <laughs> uh, let me let me go to the Magical Girl transformation page and I'll give you like a, a breakdown. <laughs> All right. So. Rain's costume, not super feeling it, honestly. I get why it's got the short sleeves and everything, but it's it's uh, not particularly good, in my opinion. Like, that's not to say that it's bad. It's just kind of eh. Mm-hmm. I love Tabitha's, like, weird Sailor Moon costume. Okay, let me just throw this out there. Eliana conjured these outfits for them. And the first thing she does is put Tabitha in a in a in like a skirt, a mini skirt. Let's just let's just be forward about that, right? <laughs> right now. I mean, yes, but also Tabitha willingly wears a skirt at some oh. other part of one of these books, if I'm not yes, mistaken. Yes, ag- agreed. I'm just letting you know that. that and that's is very like, gay. yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> she she looks like it's it's even in this first pan this first like spread where it's revealed like it's got the like Sailor Moon's. You know, I forget what the sailor uniforms are called, but the it's got the folds and the skirts like that. And then she's got her jacket and hoodie over the top of it, which is just such a very good and very Tabitha look, I feel like. Ag- agreed. Agreed. Like, Strong Guy, it's, I'm going to be honest, it's going to be a struggle to put Strong Guy in something that is fashionable. 
I would love to see like the Ke- I would love to see like a Chris Anka and Kevin Wada like X-Men fashion zine where they put strong guy in like Vogue type attire because they're the only people that would be able to do that with any sort of competency. I'm going to be honest. I love, I love Guido, though. Like, oh, I, no, I'm, I'm not saying that I don't love him. I'm just saying, like, people don't know how to dress someone that is, like, large like he is. Yes, that's true. That's it's true. very difficult to do. Um, <laughs> the, the only way that I could see it really working is if it was, like, something that looked maybe either a little bit more like a wrestling singlet. Or mm-hmm. harken back to a particular like professional wrestler's costume because he has that kind of build. But you know, like it's it's. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's just kind of there. Ileana's is good, but Ileana would also give herself a costume that is basically the same costume she's been wearing since the dawn of time. Yes. Do you like it better or worse than the uh, boob window? exposed torso giant sword look i like it better for her (laughs) but it is definitely less gay (laughs) well less in your face gay yeah also yes also i think she was also going through a time in her life there and then i think rick's suits him very well yeah i mean what is richter without like some sort of jacket like (laughs) some sort of um comfort I- a jacket item of clothing if it's not as ugly green jacket then it is and i say ugly with like the fondest uh tone to that and or his other ugly jacket from xfi that he clearly just wore because yes. it's something to wear and he was comfortable in it i still think it's really funny when i was looking for stuff for richter in our exiles a guest appearance that I basically found his sweater from XFI at the Patagonia website. That was very amusing to me. I was like, this is literally (laughs) just that sweater. It's even the same color. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, when I first saw Rick's outfit, I was like, "Mm, green jacket, I'm digging it. But, like, someone had to have paid him to put, like, an actual, like, superhero costume on. And I think that was just my thought because I hadn't seen him in one in a very long time. Like yeah. he hasn't worn like a outfit that matches with the rest of the his, like the rest of the squad in a really long time, and I think I'd have to go all the way back to maybe the purple X Force uniforms to to think about that. Yeah, I will say that everybody's like casual attire looks are extremely good here, right? Like I'm, you know, I'm kind of back and forth on the costumes themselves, but in terms of the actual looks. It's very, very good and very in character. So, like, because on the first page, we have uh, Ileana in, like, I, what I realize now, looking at it again, is a Susie and the Banshees t-shirt with, like, long baggy sleeves that's kind of, like, oversized with the, like, long moon pendant hanging off her chest and, like, roughed up jeans and, like, Doc Martens, which is such, like, such an aesthetic. It's so very good. It's very good, yes. And then we've got Tabitha in basically kind of a variation on what she would wear in Next Wave, but in a way that's kind of like, this is what I put on when I rolled off the couch and I can't be bothered to go further. True. With her hoodie and her jacket and her sunglasses and her hair kind of sticking out of her hoodie. And she's got like little little booties that are really good, like some purple booties. And then Rain's got like 
got a very conservative but also very like 90s look to her the color combination is interesting yeah it's a green sweater and a purple jacket and then rolled up jeans and converse like chuck taylor's that are red it's a good mix i think of like overall stuff because it it definitely looks like something like Molly Ringwald would have worn or, you know, something of that era, which I think fits Rain's character very well Mm -hmm. of her kind of being, you know, she's not someone that super cares about fashion and she is kind of like stuck in the 90s in, you know, like is kind of conservative in overall demeanor and the dress kind of like her attire kind of reflects that. And then Guido's just got some jeans, a fanny pack, black Chuck Taylors, and a <laughs> you know like a white tank top. Yeah, um, I'm realizing now that he has a fanny pack on, which is great <laughs> because it's, he's like, this is what you wear when you go out, right? Like we're going on an ad- an urban adventure. <laughs> and then Rick's got like a green cardigan, a white like Henley tee. Like tan pants with ripped up knees and then like kind of like mauve boots or Chuck Taylors. I can't tell what his shoes are really, but that's a both like a very it evokes his overall costuming from all of his appearances, as well as being <laughs> like a very low key. I can't give a fuck gay look. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with, like, his long hair that's kind of, like, tucked back between his ears and the later sunglasses that make an appearance. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I I absolutely agree. <laughs> I like to see... I like seeing everybody in casual clothes. It's important yes. to me. Casual clothes... More casual clothes in comics. Because when done well, it tells you... It's a way to convey so much with so little. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And, you know, Guido's got his cat. And, of course, Ileana you know, teaches him a lesson about the cat. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, one thing I really admire about this book and these two issues just in general is the ability for Matthew Rosenberg to write subtly about, like, 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 character dynamics and, like, character growth in a very subtle way. Like, it's not in your face, but it's there, and if you look for it, you'll find it, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I, and apparently the rest of the internet, uh, keyed in on Rick's uh, conversation about Billy being a twink. Yeah. Like, as, as it stands, that A, is very funny, and B, is a very subtle way to key into, um, what clearly is Rick's like maybe not newfound but way more comfortable with the sexuality like way that he is like well and it, more comfortable with himself too right yeah like, in all of x-factor investigations he was someone that was extremely conflicted and also like kind of hating himself not just kind of like yeah well very much hating himself he was in a deep deep depression and i don't think we've you know, really seen him since Children's Crusade that isn't tied into all of the ridiculously toxic drama that was going on in that book. Yes. And he just never got a chance 
to be this. He never got a chance to be a real person and not a and not just like a, a construct. <laughs> like you yeah. know what I mean? And I also feel like it's a, and it's a problem that we see in a lot of other books where especially gay characters end up being in couples is they never have any character development outside of that couple. Like people don't know how to write them other than like a codependent unit. And that's something that can be very harmful to the overall characterization and the characters as well. Like as much as I love them, that's a problem that we see a lot actually with Billy and Teddy. Yeah. That I do think to a certain extent was addressed in the Al Ewing New Avengers Avengers. book. Yeah. Finally, because Teddy got to have his own time to shine rather than everything being about Billy all the time. But other than that, like we haven't gotten into it yet, but another character that I love very much, Zavin in um, later volumes of The Runaways also super suffers from that problem. And I think Shatterstar and Richter did too, because it became about them rather than about Richter and Shatterstar. Yeah. So getting to see them here and getting to see Richter, like, you know, he's still the snarky Richter that we know and love, but he's had a chance to grow and a chance to, like, accept himself as who he is. And in a way, it makes all the rest of that even better. Yeah, it it it, it honestly, it really made it really I'm not gonna say it blew me away. I'm not here to give like out. I'm not here to give like ass pats to people. But like that that specific thing's very important to me, and it's I don't know. It feels like it's being addressed with some sort of care instead of just like nonchalance or yeah, even worse. Like I'm just gonna do whatever the fuck I want. Like I don't know. It's striking such an interesting balance for me of like telling us. You know, obviously I'm very. I'm very invested in, like, Richter in this book. And I love everybody else. But, like, if you didn't think... If you di- if you came here and didn't think I was going to talk about this, then I don't know what show you've been listening to for the past <laughs> three months. Um, um, <laughs> something else I want to say is, just as a very broadly, but there's, like, specific instances, too. Adam Gorham draws people really cute? Oh, yeah. I-, I don't know how to put it other than that. Like, Adam Gorham draws people really cute. like absolutely the expressions are so good and everyone's faces and body language are so cute but like not in a way that's like demeaning it's just like wow these are like some really cute and attractive people and like even even guido like he's got like his little he's so happy with his little cat and then he freaks out when Ileana throws it through the portal into limbo to age it and then he's just kind of like stupefied after and like the little it's the little things like I'm looking at these first two pages and like tabs like bringing her sunglasses down to look at the cat over the brim because she can't believe what's going on yeah and like there's some like really great like just like subtle like subtleties like that and also like that page that's got the transformation into the new outfits on it like the top part of that panel with like the cut away of all of them like like i love that and the other thing that i really love in this first issue is the splash page right after that like Mm -hmm. where they're fighting all the zombies 
Like, I absolutely love the way Adam Gorham draws Rick's powers. It is so great. Yeah. Like, I love the lines. I love the effect that it gives. I love that I now know with 100% certainty that Rick is powerful enough to split someone's skull in half. (laughs) I needed to know that. Like, I had always assumed, but I absolutely needed to know that. Yeah. Well, and that's the nice thing, too, is, like, you know, like, even Rain... Like, her wolfbane form is drawn, like, super cutely and probably, like, like she gets really excited to help the people and she's got, like, this cute puppy dog face on. But then he also knows how to dial it back for the more serious sequences and make things more austere. And especially, like, I love the way he shows the interplay of emotion and the kind of different faces that Ileana has. Yeah. Because... She, you know, like there's the there's the times where she tries to appear like she's got kind of like the weird, like childlike look on her face sometimes. And we're in places where that's relevant, just not because, you know, she's like sweet and innocent or anything like that. But it's because it's like drawing a parallel, I feel like, to her childhood. I agree. No, it's pulling a lot at early New Mutant stuff. Yeah, but then she's also got her, like, Ice Queen face, which is, like, the Ileana that we've seen a lot of recently, where she just refuses to show any emotion. And then there's times where she softens up a little bit and is, like, you know, genuinely concerned about her her team and, you know, everything that's going on. So I like that we, like, it's not, a lot of people will draw... Like, it, it gets to feel like it's a bad fit for the book because it's, like, they'll only draw cute or only draw, like, serious face or whatever mm-hmm. for the characters. But honestly, like, I hadn't really ever seen Adam Gorham's work before this, but I am absolutely, like, a thousand percent a fan now because it just the, like, this is the kind of artist that you want doing, like, an X-Men book, right? Oh, yeah. And even in... Especially on display in the second issue, uh, like the, the the brunch scene, which is just like great on its own is a thing that exists in an X-Men book because these are the types of scenes we should always get. I feel like Matthew Rosenberg just wrote you into Star there. Uh, uh, it's very, it's very difficult for me to separate this from like conversations I've had with the man himself. <laughs> and I'm just like... What's going on here? <laughs> like, I've been writing Shatterstar like this for years. Like, liter- literal years. Well, and also that's just how you are, too. Also that. Like, I couldn't believe it. when I, I was, like, ecstatic. Like, I think I shed some real tears over this moment in this book. And maybe that makes me sound stupid, but I don't care. <laughs> no, it's something that you care about. Like, it's... The scene is good for the characters that are here. It implies that not only does not only are they all having brunch right now and like being let's just say friends, which is something they almost never got to actually be in X Factor. Like mm-hmm. like they all seem like they like each other. Wow, what a concept, right? Or like 
not maybe like each other necessarily. I think they do like each other, though, but that they can get along and function as human beings, which exactly is something that you don't get to see that much outside of teen books, just because why would adults, why would you need to show that in adult comics? But like, these are people that are really in a transitional point in their lives in a lot of ways. Like, they don't really fit into any of those other groups, right? Like, they're not teens anymore, but they're also not like, proper x-men because they've got a little bit too much baggage and yeah you know like it's they literally like they're real they wanted, people yeah they're real people <laughs> um just to pull back to the first issue a little bit just because i want to talk about this because i didn't get to karma has such a good freaking lesbian look let me just say that <laughs> it is so good I saw this and I was like, thank you, because this is just like extremely tired gay, but also business. There's so many tired gay people in this this book. Yeah, no, there's so many tired. So she's got like this messy, like long hair, but like too short to be like fully feminine. And I say that like in a in a like she doesn't want to evoke that. I don't think. And then she, cause she's got like this casual menswear too. Like she's got this very loose vest over this very loose shirt and jeans and then like boots or no, she's got her pants are rolled up and she's got like loafers and it's an extremely good look. And one that again, like we never really get to see X-Men out of their costume. And then when they are drawn in costume, people tend to want to stick to the original versions of the characters or like the looks that people know. So we would get Karma with like long straight hair. But this I feel like this messy, disheveled, like I'm in business, but I'm also tired and it's late at night. But I still need to appear like professional. That's And then we've also got the whole team just relaxing and seeing some of, like, them being casual, too. Like, Tabs's flash dance shirt is very good and also evokes her uh, original appearances in a very good way mm-hmm. with the, the off-the-shoulder, like, crop top and the pink shorts. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I was just, like, I saw that and I was just, like, thank you. Someone finally, like, drew here, drew her actually looking like the queer woman she is. And I was very happy for that. Yeah. And I, I'm coming back. I'm coming. I'm circling back around to this, like, Brooklyn brunch Please scene. Please do. I just wanted to get that in before we got out of. because. Yeah. No, I understand. Because it's just so. If there was ever, like. Honestly, a two pages of a comic that ever spoke to me in such a way. It is these, it's these two pages. <laughs> it's these, like it's, and that comes as an interlude after like this the thing opening, which is also very good. Yeah, extremely good. So we have like the super dramatic opening that's just the thing, and then we flip back to Brooklyn, sunny old Brooklyn. Yeah, and everybody's having brunch and it's specifically brunch and as as they keep reminding each other which is very good which is also very good or tabitha keeps reminding people because then it's okay to drink at brunch which is absolutely the case and we have this conversation that rain has with rick about shatterstar and why he's like why he's been allowed to like pick their restaurant and just the fact that 
Just you want to just read it out? Read out this exchange, <laughs> the first two panels of this page. Yeah, I can't do uh, Rain's phonetic accent, and I'm not going to try. Uh, well, I, 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 can, I can do it. I can. Tr- I can attempt it. <laughs> do you really want to attempt the phonetic accent? No, just read it. How about? How about? Um, okay, so let's see here. Let's. The Shatterstar not eat. <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> Not often. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know what that's supposed to be anyway. Anyway, it's, <clears> it's <throat> Scottish, but I can't do it. Yeah. Maybe I could if I like channeled it really hard, <laughs> but I can't. <laughs> um. But anyway, Rick tells her that that no, not often. Then why do we let him pick the restaurant, Julio? He has weirdly strong feelings about the atmosphere at various brunch spots in this neighborhood. And then Star just points at himself and he says, I do. <laughs> He doesn't even point. He like sticks his thumb at his, like, like. Yeah, he he, po- he, he points just at himself gest- with his thumb. Yeah, he just gestures back to himself, and that's the only dialogue that Star has here. But it's the only dialogue he needs. He doesn't need anymore because I know now in these two panels, very simply, that Star and Rick do this often. Clearly, like. Clearly enough to know that Star has feelings about where they eat, regardless of what it is. And it's, like, extremely specific and strange, because that's exactly what Star is, like, about things. And just, you know, that's it. That's all we need to know. Also, he definitely, yeah, he has nothing in front of him. He doesn't have a plate of food. He doesn't have a beverage glass. Nothing. He just has his hands crossed on the table in front of him. Yeah. Yeah. And he's in casual clothes, which we almost never get to see Star in casual clothes. Yeah, but again, the casual clothes all evoke, like, their sensibilities and their, like, the colors that we strongly associate with these characters in terms of, like, the costumes that they've had over the years. Like, he's got, like, a white... It's not an undershirt. It's, like, an athletic, like, crew-type shirt on and then khakis, which Star in khakis is also very good. And... But really quick... The other reason he doesn't need dialogue is because, again, Adam Gorham's faces are just so freaking expressive. I love his face. Like, this is the panel that I saw. That's like the picture of Star that I saw him draw like months ago. And I was trying to figure out where it was going to pop in at. Like, I was like, where is Star going to pop in at? It's going to be somewhere. And I couldn't believe that it was this. Because yeah. it, just was so, it was just was so good. Um, well, also, and even, even in, like, the first panel, like, Star is, like, canting his head sideways, like, trying to figure out what he's going to say to this, almost, when they're, like, tell, uh, arguing about why Star picked the restaurant. Also, that tells me that he didn't have to come, but he's here. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah. Like, uh. And it's nobody, like nobody straight up said no. Exactly. It's because Rick wanted him to come. It's because I feel like this was Star and Rick's breakfast, and then everybody else just kind of tagged (laughs) along. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, because Rick called it together. That's true. Like, Rick Rick asked them all to come so they could talk about Ileana. As you do over brunch, you talk about things that are troubling you. But yeah, it's like... Shatterstar like looks awkward in that first panel, but then when Rick like defends him and is like so there, basically like Star instantly relaxes and like then becomes part of the group is the other thing. 
True. He's no longer in the background. It brings him literally from the background into the foreground because then he's like expressing himself in the rest of these panels, even if not in words, like in body language and facial expression. Yeah. And uh, also, um, did you see Rick take all of his bacon after Rain took a piece? Like he took all of the bacon. Yes, that he I had did. Actually, in his I hand. did. It, that kind of that kind of shit gets me, and it's so good. Yeah. So he's got canonically Rick wears V-neck shirts, which is something that I thought was very much something he would do, and then canonically he does. Um, and he then he's got like the again, like I said earlier, he has the sunglasses that are like pushing back his hair that are on his uh on the top of his head. And that's like a very good brunch look. Yeah. And Tabitha drinking mimosas like nonstop is such a mood and it's such something she would do. And like also I really enjoyed the establishing like nature of the fact that like Rick calls her Tabby and not a lot of people can do that. They've been friends for a really long time. And I appreciate the fact that like we're bringing some of that forward and the fact that like uh, Rain asks if she's drunk and she says maybe and then Rick says maybe means yes. <laughs> yeah also she's dressed up now for this like brunch outing she's got like strappy sandals on and she's got a nice purse she wasn't bringing a purse with her before and a skirt and she's got her sunglasses clipped onto the front of her shirt which is just like extremely like she's she's like in a mood like she's yeah. she's wanted to look nice like and you know like i i like Tabitha is someone that has always been about like kicking butt while looking good. So I'm glad to see that too. And all of the like Rain's frustration at her and Rick's like enjoyment of like this brunch situation that's going on. He looks like excited and happy and relaxed. And just all of that is just very good. And then of course, Star's like shocked expression at the end. <laughs> when everybody's teleported away by Ileana and the comedic timing in these panels is also really great yeah like it's a it's a it's a it's like a it's a thing that happens like oh is they're right behind me aren't they but it works and I like it so I don't want anyone to I don't know I don't need anyone getting uppity about that yeah also of note now that I'm looking at it Tabitha definitely got teleported away with the rest of her mimosa she did (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because it's not left behind oh no she no nope. yeah no she no, literally she in the it. next she panel it. she has it in her hand in yeah. fucking the north pole yeah and then it gets teleported away yeah yeah also i do i think more than the original version i like the cold weather versions of their costumes that iliana conjures yes i like because i like rick's the, the, the fur lined collar on rick's coat it's very good and like the fact that it's now only quilted at the top because it's you know like a coat yeah and you know rain and guido's costumes are basically the same but iliana's got like a cool like cloak that kind of buttons at the front is short in the front and then it's long in the back and dramatic because she's a fucking goth and it also has this cool like the collar swirl the hood swirls around to become the collar and then tabitha has like a long peacoat and instead of a a leather jacket and a scarf instead of a hood and it's just very good no it's it's those little details are like really really great and that's not even like talking about like the rest of the issue as far as like 
the action and the plot is concerned. Um, some of this art in some of the middle pages, like, is so good in this. Yeah. Also, like, we've got, again, like, the interplay of the characters, like, Tabitha shooting off the bomb to blow the door open and smirking and then bringing her finger back and having it be smoking. And then Ileana just making, like, the most sour face at her, like, you kicked (laughs) on her puppy. Like... And her Rick being like, why'd you bring us to the literal worst place ever? Like, but, oh, man, there's just so much I could say about this. Yeah, I did like the fact that the thing ends up being a frost giant. That was good. Yeah, no, that was a good twist. I wasn't anticipating that either, but that I I knew it when I, like, I, I, I was like, this, the cover can't be a fake out. Something's going on. But I thought when I read this listed, it was like totally like John Carpenter's thing. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be spooky. But I like the fact that this isn't too spooky because if it was, I couldn't read it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I also like Rain talking as a wolf. That's very good. <laughs> yes. I love this panel um, on um, uh, like as the as they like Rick and uh, Ileana like push the uh frost giant into like a chasm i love the panel in the middle of the page with the like the stark black inks like on the frost giant as it comes back out again yeah i love this page and not just because like rick's got like a close-up panel i almost i wrestled with myself and i did not buy this original page but i wrestled with myself and took it back out of the cart because i want it so bad but i no i can't not to not right now yeah and also, like, Rain and Ileana's moment down here where, like, it's really, cl- it's pretty clear from the la- last issue to this one that Ileana's got some sort of, she's got some stake in this that we don't already, we don't know about yet. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, her and Rain just kind of, like, talking about that, like, not specifically, but, you know. Well, I mean, they are specifically, it's basically, like you know you you're leading this team and you're you've got to be a leader like you you chose this role for yourself so you have to live up to it yeah because iliana is someone that when things get difficult she runs like that's where she's been at least in canon so seeing someone and like no one in any of the books that she's been in prior to this would be the person that would force her like drag her by, pull grab her by the collar and pull her back around to look them in the face like no one wants to do that because of the front that she puts off and rain like isn't going to be intimidated by that she's you know she's a wolf mutant that has had sex with the like the asgardian god of wolves like <laughs> like what does she have to lose like what are you gonna do to me that hasn't already been done you know like that's true yeah no you're right and also she is like in the beginning of the the very first book it introduces her as like the moral compass of the team which is absolutely also something that she's functioning as here. That's true. And I, I like that Rick is running and I thought when Rick was running away I'm like oh but I'm going to find a way to bring Shatterstar into this like Shatterstar could totally teleport them out of this mess. I'm not sure he could get to where they're going but you know where <laughs> they are right now but I was like please but it's okay he doesn't show up again and I'm okay with it. Yeah. I also in the first issue, I do like that Ileana just kind of like admits that she made a guess and it turned out to work. It turned out it turned out okay. Um but you know, we have more things happening um in regards to this frost giant, which I really like the look of. Like I like that it looks like an orc. Yeah. I'm into it. 
I'm really into it. And uh, we get some a little bit more I information. Think they usually about, do, don't they? Uh, I can't remember. I don't read too many Thor books, but yeah. uh, the fact the, the conclusion of how they get rid of the frost giant is actually amazing. Yeah. Before that, though, like the the page after Rain asks Ileana to be a leader, and Ileana just like had been letting the rest of the team run away and then she catches up and they're like did you breathe the frost giant and she's like nope and her face is just like <laughs> yikes <laughs> like her is what her facial expression is and it's just so good like because again it's like okay i can be a person to these people because i'm not like somebody's little sister or the badass that has no feelings like i can be a person again because I feel like, like, even her team, like, I started trying to read Hellbound uh, on the plane, and then I stopped because the art in that is not super great. But even her team of the New Mutants is kind of, like, because they've been through so much and seen, like, so many different sides of her, like, they have, they're both scared of her, but also, like, she's extremely breakable to them. So, you know, like, she adopted this demeanor, I think, to kind of defend against that of, like, well, if I am the badass, then no one's going to question whether I'm soft or fragile or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But as a result, like, she's never allowed to be vulnerable because those people, like, would take that the wrong way or she thinks that she can't be because mm -hmm. of everything that she's been through. And she certainly can't be with Peter. Um, I mean, their relationship is just a total disaster now. But with these folks, she can be vulnerable and she can be a person again because, like, they care about her, but they don't, like, they're not, like, too familiar, if that makes any sense. Like, it's easier. Yeah. And, you know, everybody, everybody here has some dysfunction. Yeah. But that's the thing. I think, like, if it had been the actual New Mutants, like, we wouldn't have gotten this Ileana, like, full stop. Yeah. I, I think, I think you'd be probably right. But I, I, um... I really, really, really enjoyed the conclusion of this uh, frost giant problem. <laughs> um, yes. I think it's hilarious. I think uh, Tabitha vomiting and realizing that she was actually kind of drunk throughout this entire situation is extremely good. Them being like, her being like sopping wet with like frost giant goo. <laughs> and I'm and looking really... is so extremely tired. I like that everybody is looking forward in this last panel, except for Rick. Yeah. He's got a problem with authority, and uh, he doesn't trust people very easily. Also, you know, Ileana kind of took advantage of his friend. Yeah. Like, I think on this team, like, Tabs is probably the person that he's closest to. Yeah. I mean, he's got relationships with everybody, but we don't. It's the most, like, uncomplicated and friendly relationship, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. If we're, if we're, if we're dragging the rest of the continuity, which we don't really even need. Like, I know people are like, well, what happened? Didn't, didn't Guido, like, kill Rain's son in, in X-Factor Investigations? Like, can we just leave that alone? Can we just leave yeah. that in the garbage where it belongs, please? Like, let's leave, just leave that. We're gonna leave that there. We're, like, gonna let bygones be bygones. Yeah. Like, Guido has his soul back. It's fine. And he's so earnest and good in this which is how guido is he should be that way yes. and i love that like did you see that he was knitting in the first issue no i didn't oh my god 
I didn't catch that. When they're all sitting in the Hachi Corporation, like, lounge or lobby, he's knitting. Now I'm going back to that. Oh, my God. You're right. I think I did catch it, but it, did, like, didn't register. Yeah, he's knitting. And, of course, like, Rick and Tabitha are also in that same scene arguing about TV. Because, of course, <laughs> they are. Because that's the kind of people that they are. Yeah, let's let's uh, talk about the last page here. Yeah. The last couple pages here. We've got Haunted Doll Watch. Yeah, there is certainly is a haunted doll. There's a whole pile of haunted dolls in front of this spooky um the spooky shack. Also, I think this whole thing is supposed to kind of evoke stranger things. I haven't seen. You're perhaps correct. Well, in the sense that it's a group it's that same like very 80s vibe of like a group of young kids like getting into spooky misadventures. Mm-hmm. Like they go to the cabin in the woods, in this case a literal cabin in the woods, and they're all like daring each other on. It's it's something that ha- comes up it's come up a lot of times. It's like Goonies, Stranger Things, which is, you know, a throwback to all that kind of stuff. E.T., um, Dreamcatcher, like all of that stuff. It's kind of yeah. got like the and same. I didn't, it's that trope. I didn't know where this like B-plot was going from the first to the second issue. Me neither. And I did not expect this. Yeah. But uh, now that I'm going back and looking at it, though, like there is so many yellow dots everywhere i i should have known that it was some uh it was some life glow but that leaves a question um what is warlock doing in the shit by himself <laughs> yeah and why do people think that he eats mutants i mean warlock does could potentially do that like he well, like, right he but takes, that's like, like not the warlock that we think of no that's not no that's not the warlock we know also why does he have a pile of baby dolls yeah, where's Doug? Like, who let Warlock in here alone? And where's Doug? Who let him chop babies, baby dolls, on tree stumps? Oh, and also the way that Adam Gorham draws Warlock? It's very good. It's so good. <sighs> yeah, no, that that was a good twist. There's um something unfortunate that happens in issue three. Uh, I don't know what that unfortunate thing is yet. I realize it's a mini and it'll be wrapped up in six issues. So maybe I shouldn't worry about it as much as I am, but I'm is definitely it just in the solicits. Uh, yeah. What, what, what is it? Well, not so much the solicit for number three, um, but the solicit for number four is titled a funeral for a new mutant. Oh yeah. 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 But that doesn't necessarily mean it's one of these. It maybe isn't, but then it goes on to say, um, after the loss of one of their teammates. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> like, but the the end of the solicit is like, um, join us as all the X-Men come to say goodbye to one of their friends, dot, 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 or do they, question mark. Like, yeah. I mean, we've already got zombies here. So, like, Ileana's a demonic sorceress. Come on. Yeah. Like, who has a million. Who literally pulls somebody back from limbo in the first issue. Yeah. So that they can get rid of the zombies. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm preparing myself for the worst, and I'm preparing, I'm preparing for it to be Rick, and we'll be happy when it isn't or if it isn't, but I'm preparing myself for that, whatever it is, because it'll be a cliffhanger at the end of the issue next issue and i'm preparing myself for it so yeah yeah 
Yeah, Matthew, Matthew Rosenberg likes to um, say things to me on Twitter sometimes. And then, like, I, like, been dis- I'm dissecting, like, what it's supposed to mean, like, for weeks afterward. <laughs> like, this talking about the same guy who, like, when I saw Rick in Secret Warriors, like, this is something, the thing that he showed up in with the mustache. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, oh, Richter, where's Shatterstar? And he's like, and he was, like, being completely, like, he like basically lied to me he's like i don't he's like maybe like i don't know where it is i'm like are they still dating it's like no one told me differently and just to see that like star was right behind rick in that panel like he just like straight up lied to me well you have to be you have to be coy like you know (laughs) you you're really good at asking pointed questions i know so like in order to not spoil things I know. You know, people have to go, like, the extra mile to not spoil things. I know. And I'm not saying that it was bad, because he's very good, and I like him a lot, and I knew that he was going to be good at writing this book. And I know that he likes the characters a lot, and I know that whatever happens, it'll be, like, with meaning. Right. For the bigger story at hand, Um, which is the only thing I really care about. If you're going to do something drastic, just make it count, I guess. But yeah. But yeah, that's New Mutants Dead Souls. Good. Yeah, good I stuff. love it. It's good. No. I I read it because, you know, it's something that's so important to you. I wanted to read it earlier, but I just haven't like found the time. Plane is and a good time for a lot of things. Plane is a good time for a lot of things. And so I read it on the plane and I was just like enraptured by it, actually. <laughs> um it was way better even than I was expecting it to be. And I had very high hopes because of you talking about it. So no, it's like, I can appreciate like the horror element of it a yeah. lot. Um, so I'm looking, I'm looking forward to, to seeing more of it. And I'm really excited. But I also got a chance to read Cable because everybody had been talking about how good that was. And I wanted to read it very much. And I got to explain to my dad on the plane who Cable was because he's like, what, you, what are you reading? And I'm like, this is about Cable. He's a dad that travels through time and has very big guns, but he's also really a dad and he's just really excited to see his daughter. Because <laughs> um, he has no frame of reference. He knows basically none of the X-Men because that's way after his time. And he never he never really read X-Men. He did like daredevil and iron man was really what he stuck with and then he knows a lot well not a lot a little bit about the fantastic four because he did read comics like back when he was in grad school but hasn't for a long long time he's just really likes the movies but doesn't get like super invested in them or anything so that was cool i'm like here's cable see here's here here he is doing the thing here he is saving somebody and he was just (laughs) kind of like oh that's nice (laughs) (laughs) i've read quite a bit of the cable and deadpool that mark brooks drew i that was fabian nieza yeah so i've always really liked cable like just as a character concept and so reading through this like i i never read the stuff about his childhood or anything like that so that was nice It was a nice introduction to that as someone that wasn't familiar with that as much. And it hit on a lot of the beats that I love for Cable. And then like the Xavier School, I really loved seeing Hope. I I always love seeing Hope again. I love Hope. And I love Kitty's characterization in this. And I love like, 
I love that it's a cable book, but it's as much about hope as it is about cable because hope is basically cable's like scion in a lot of ways. That's really the only oh, way I have to describe yeah, it. Yeah, no. Cable and hope are extremely similar. Yeah. She's like his legacy. Yeah. And even more so in this because she gets the scar from Midas that holy, he has. Holy body horror, Batman. Yeah. Yeah. It does have a lot <laughs> of that. But also, like, I really love the way that hope is drawn in this. I love the way everyone's drawn, but I, I especially love the way hope is drawn. Like, I just I really do love the way everything is drawn. I love the way the techno organic virus is drawn. Like everybody's drawn is like cute humans. I like the the style of that the artist has for the the humans. I guess I should talk about who who is involved in Cable. Although if you're listening to the spoiler cast, presumably you've already read it. <laughs> I just kind of leapt into this because I was excited to talk about it. It is written by Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler and drawn by German Peralta. And I really do. And the colorist is, I assume, Jesus uh, Albertov is how you say that. I believe you're correct. I love the colors. I love how it's drawn. I like this is a really good looking book. And not a lot of teams, I think, can go from the weird, like murky, colorless, almost techno organic future or like nightmare scape and future like this very drab, lots of organic shapes to like a cyberpunk aesthetic future Japan to like the X-Mansion and then like back again. Mm -hmm. And I always love making like normal spaces uh, scary or like foreboding. And Mm -hmm. they do that here very well. I also love how Kitty is just so entirely done with everybody's shit. (laughs) that's my favorite characterization for kitty ever i think and i just love the like father-daughter time that uh cable and hope get but then hope is also like she's very much cable's daughter in the way that she's like yes i'll hug you but also like i'm not gonna let you do this stupid thing because that's not tactically good not (laughs) not tactically sound yeah but that's been a lot of me talking about this book. How how did you feel about this book, Charlie? I read it a couple of weeks ago. I did not reread it because I didn't know um, if you, that you wanted to talk about it until you told me. Um, but I read it the day it came out and I really liked it. I think that people's favorite parts about Cable differ depending on who you are. I think there are some people that really love X-Force Cable, big guns, mean guy, like... It's really one-dimensional, but I know people love that. Like, Cable is functionally a guy that cares a lot about the people around him, but he doesn't know how to... He doesn't know how to be the guy everybody wants him to be. Right. Even though he really wants to be that guy. And Cable's the best when he's surrounded by people that care about him. And I really enjoyed seeing him with Hope again. Yeah. And, I don't know, it's just really good. Yeah. And the fact that, like, he no longer, he thinks that he has to protect Hope, but Hope is definitely protecting him in this issue a lot, too. Like, I don't know if you know the gimmick for this book. I'll I'll stress it really isn't a gimmick, but I don't know if you know, like, kind of, like, where this is going. So, each issue of this book 
from this point going forward is going to tell a story, but it's going to take place inside of a specific era of Cable's life. Yeah, yeah, I do know so, that because I read the solicit for issue two. Yeah, so this next issue that comes out actually this Wednesday is going to be when he and Hope are on the run from Bishop, like back in 2009. Like, yeah, all of that, all of that. So, like, that is what's happening. And, um, one of them is classic X Force. I'm excited about that one. Um, that one is yes. going to be like guest starring X Force. We, we have Shatterstar um, in the background. Yeah, Shatterstar Star's going to be there. Um, Ban is him, himself, and I'm always interested to see how people characterize Star. I'll be very interested to see how um they do it in this book. He, may, he probably's not going to have a big role in it, but that's fine. Um, but I'm always interested is when we go when we go back there and and get that. Um. And what people do with that. So I'll be interested to see that. And then one of them is going to be with, like, Nate Gray. Like, it, it's just going to, like, it's just chronicling, like, parts of Cable's life with this overarching story of this, you know, techno-organic villain, basically. Um, yeah, because he's he sucked all the techno-organic virus out of him, basically, in this first issue. Yeah. Taken so, it into himself, which is a terrible idea. Idea. Very bad. Um, And Hope knows that. Uh, so yeah you know yeah that was that's that was the part of the plan they do kind of like a fake out because hope is like i'm not going to help you unless you do this thing and then he has this whole dialogue about being alone and then when they get attacked like hope jumps in and does her thing but cable didn't tell her that that was the plan all along which is totally yeah and it's very like when cable turns to her and says it's going to be okay and that's what it ends on and his eye is like, um, like his eye is like a robot eye. Like there's no white of it. Yeah, like really good. It like affects me. You know, it like that is also a part of like something. Oh my god, that's like that's like a a thing that like gets me every time. It's like that. Like yeah. I'm very concerned, and it's like it's going to be okay, even if it's not going to be okay. Yeah. <sighs> That whole panel is, like, very emotional because it's got Cable turning into, like, this techno-organic beast and Hope is, like, tearing up and, you know, and then we get that that turn and his eye flaring and, yeah. Yeah. It was very affecting. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Zach Thompson, a.k.a. uh, 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 The brother brother of a a speedrunner and Twitch streamer. Bok the soup, Bok the soup, which is just a very strange coincidence. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because uh, I like looked up his brother when he was talking about him before, and I was like, "Oh, he's a comic writer, huh? That's funny. I bet like he'll never write anything I'm interested in, but that's cool." <laughs> <laughs> and then this, um, hyper focused on things that you're interested in. Yeah, uh, <laughs> for sure. But yeah, um, no, that's been some recent comic books that we've enjoyed. Um, one has more to do with teens than others, the other, but um, well, I mean, Cable Ho- has teen. Hope is a teen, and there are teens in the background of the X Mansion. That's my story, <laughs> and I'm sticking to it. And Cable is even a teen in part of the book, so there. <laughs> there well, I don't know, maybe he's a preteen, but you know, preteen. It's you know, fun for the whole family, as one would say. <laughs> Cable is not something I would ever describe as fun for the whole family, but you know, yes, you know, whatever. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's the end of our episode. So, um, 
No covers per today. Per usual. No covers today. I'm tired. That's um, fair. And this is an out of the ordinary episode. So uh, my brain muscles are. Your brain doesn't have muscles. No, it doesn't. No, um, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Uh, my my mind is a little weird today. That's um, okay. But this anyway. worked out. That worked out the best because I was like, I read these. I was going to read Runaways. But then you were like, you know, just finish Dead Souls. And that was fine because I just wanted to vomit for an hour about how much i love this comic apparently <laughs> yeah no hey it's it works out the best uh for that and everybody gets to hear me talk about it and i'm glad you read i'm glad you read i'm glad you read yeah some comics no, Mikey. it was but- it was really good so many little details i i really appreciate the little details because that's always what i pick up on so yeah you know same 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 and same but if you like this episode and would like to hear more episodes like this, um, follow us or follow us. look us up. <laughs> uh, we are at Young Ones Cast on Twitter, twitter.com slash Young Ones Cast. Uh, feel free to email us at youngonescast at gmail.com. Uh, on our Twitter, you will also find all the links to where you can find this podcast for your podcast catcher of choice and we also have our website youngonescast.com where we post again links to the podcast as well as articles from our dear editor everett christensen uh he's recently published a episode or an episode uh article about hugs between batman and robin or one specific set of hugs and why that was a very good hug as well mm-hmm. as, and I have to admit, I'm terrible and I've yet to read this yet, but an article about why, what is the best X-Men cartoon and why is it Boko no Hero Academia? <laughs> Which is valid. Absolutely 100% an opinion I agree with. Because yes. uh, I'm saying an opinion like it's not the objective truth. Yeah, Boku no Hero Academy is uh, great. And anybody that loves manga will tell you that it's much easier to watch and read than an X-Men comic. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Just no, as long it's as very you good. ignore the, the horrible guy. <laughs> if you, like, if you fell out of manga or watching anime a while ago, but you like superheroes, check it out. Mike yes. and I watched some of it. It's very good. Also, if you don't like dealing with subtitles, it's very readily available in dubbed format and the dub voice cast is very good the dub is good yeah it's not like some things where you go and watch it and you're just like oh this is this is bad it's it's actually very well voice acted and i we watched the first couple episodes in dub so yeah go check it out if you want to um you can find me at genetic ghosts on twitter where i i don't change what i do i do what i do i'm the best at what i do and what I do is talk about Shatterstar a lot. Um, and comics that I love. And sometimes cereal. Also sometimes ice cream. Also sometimes pancakes. Also sometimes how I specifically feel about the aura of brunch areas uh, <laughs> around me. Um, Speaking of which, I had Jenny's ice cream this past weekend. It's very good. I mean, the- yeah. Shout out to Jenny's ice cream. Shout out to Jenny's ice cream. It's very good. I got the frosé. Which is a frozen rosé that's like sangria. Do you like fruity ice creams? I can't remember. I, I do. 
Yeah, I you do. got you got to try it if you haven't already. It's so good. I could eat like an entire gallon of that without stopping. Well, I'm going <laughs> down to Col- I'm going down to Columbus in the first week of May, so uh, we will. I'll have to check it out. Lemon and blueberry um, frozen yogurt is very tart, though. Oh, for I love lemon and blueberries. Lemon and blueberries is probably my favorite Jenny's flavor. <sighs> but yeah, you can hear these all these hot takes on my Twitter if you want to follow me there. Uh, <laughs> I am working on something actually pretty cool, so it won't be up by the time this episode comes out, but uh, maybe shortly afterwards. So um, look for links for that. Other than that, where can people find you, Mikey? Uh, they can find me not in Columbus because I was just there for this past weekend and only that. But you can find me at quantum dot dot on Twitter where I post about tabletop role playing games, sometimes about rewatching the Star Wars prequels in the hotel room and realizing <laughs> how exactly how bad they are. Like, I know they're bad, but exactly how bad they are. I kind of like want to rewatch them now and like break down exactly why they're so bad. Like, just from a design standpoint, I'm not even talking narrative because, you know, some people will argue back and forth about that. But I was floored rewatching it about how bad some of the design decisions are from an aesthetic and like world building standpoint. But other than that, I talk about video games as well. The new Overwatch mode is very good. If you like video games and you have a copy of Overwatch, I do recommend playing that. It is feels a lot like Left 4 Dead. In a very good way. So that's that's another thing that I'm loving. I'm loving Jenny's ice cream. I'm loving New Mutants Dead Souls. And I'm loving Overwatch uh, Retribution. Retribution. Yee. Yee. All right. That's all you need to know. And knowing to have to battle. That's also not our tagline. That's G.I. Joe. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> no problem. All right, everybody. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> You made yourself laugh this time. Don't put that on me. I'm not putting that on anybody.